Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Big ol' eye roll for Joel Embiid. Stone Lebanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. He finally broke me. He finally broke me. Joel Embiid. I've never seen anybody bigger, stronger, who plays softer than that guy. He's so fragile physically, but also mentally. But it finally broke me because Joel Embiid, off of a flop, then gets caped for by the officials for a play that should have had him ejected just a couple of minutes in the last night's game. Against the Nets. Uh, it, it In a, a postseason where things have been physical and chippy and there have been flagrant fouls, how you, how you just completely overlook, give a pass to Joel Embiid for the most obvious, ejectable, objectionable behavior that we've seen in the postseason. And all of it started with another Joel Embiid flop. I'm so tired of the guy. I'm so tired of the guy in the goofy sense of humor press conferences and the I'm the MVP, I'm the MVP, I'm the MVP, and also he's just so soft. A guy that's so dominant. He, it's, it's like he's playing me for a dumbass, that he really thinks that the contact he takes sends him to the floor as often as he hits the floor. As big as he p- can play... He chooses to go the soft route to get himself an advantage. And I am so... Joel Embiid, I'm going to say it. Joel Embiid is the most annoying player in my life. He is the most annoying athlete in my life. And the reason why was on full display last night in the playoffs. Ken Levick alive on a Friday here on ESPN 106.3. Free ESPN app and on your smart speaker. And a John Levine Accident Attorney Studios. Downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers off of the actually fairly comfortable and not as stinky Intracoastal. Stone the Banowitz, Friday Night Lights, Radio Life Partner runs this catastrophe until 2 o'clock. Uh, last night, with about 15 seconds left to go, the Nets have a possession in Game 3 of that first-round playoff series. Down 2... And Joel Embiid ended up coming up with the play of the night. This is what it sounded like on TNT. It goes to the Embiid. Takes it in into Maxi. Rejected by Embiid. Rejected by Embiid with the whistle. Embiid. Joel Embiid, the game-winning block, eight seconds left to go. And uh, the 76ers hold on to go up three games to none against the Nets. Now, never mind the fact this is a pretty nondescript playoff series, right? Like, has anybody really paid a ton of attention to 76ers, Nets? Even you, Stone, who I'm sure you've maybe put a little money on it. You haven't paid a ton of attention to this series. No, it's the least interesting of the bunch. I would agree. I would completely agree. I think, uh, I mean, I put it right up there with Nuggets, Timberwolves. It is just... Not interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because there's nothing about the Nets that's interesting. Sure. So I, I guess it's that's not where their fault. the Nuggets and the Timberwolves would take precedence over that one yeah. is because they have guys like Cat. You got guys like Jokic going at it. Right. So yeah, the it's Nets the don't have It's the least that. interesting series. That said, last night's game, even if you weren't paying attention to it, last night's game should not have come down to Joel Embiid even having the opportunity to come up with a game-winning block. Shouldn't have even had an opportunity because very, very early in the game, in fact, just over five minutes into the game, Nick Claxton goes up, finishes an alley-oop for Brooklyn. Joel Embiid sort of half-challenges the play, 
takes minimal contact, and then hits the floor as if he's been decked. In true Joel Embiid fashion, just being as soft as humanly possible, hits the floor because all Joel Embiid, and it doesn't have to be this way, because Joel Embiid, when he's engaged, when he's locked in, he's so dominant, and he has the post moves, and he's able to rebound, and he challenges shots, but Joel Embiid, part of his basketball DNA is to throw himself and flail onto the floor anytime he can. To flail and throw himself onto the floor and act like he's been wronged, that's part of Joel Embiid's basketball identity that drives me insane. And so what does Joel Embiid do? What Joel Embiid, who is likely going to win the MVP, he does what he does best. And that's the thing. He puts up numbers despite the fact that he is a flippy, floppy basketball bozo. Sure, he's a great guy. I think he's a hell of a competitor. But the way he plays, the way that at that size, he thinks that he needs an advantage throwing himself to the floor, it's embarrassing. Joel Embiid on a regular basis for a guy that good embarrasses himself with how he conducts himself competitively on the floor. He is the, the single most over-the-top flopper because of how he's built and how he tries to sell of anybody in the NBA, maybe even in the history of the league. And so what happens? Nick Claxton finishes the alley-oop. Joel Embiid, who took minimal contact, throws himself to the floor. So what does Nick Claxton do? Nick Claxton looks at him. Because don't think other players in the NBA aren't completely annoyed by the fact that big, bad Joel Embiid lives on the floor. Nick Claxton looks at him. Steps over his knees. What does Joel Embiid do? Tries to kick him in the sack. Tries to kick him straight on, hard as can be, in the junk. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, a guy who has made a career out of flopping and throwing himself on the floor at 7-2. A guy that big, that strong, that dominant, who can't stop flopping. He then decides in that moment that he's going to get tough because he feels as if he's being disrespected because his knees are being stepped over by Nick Claxton. He doesn't feel shame when he flies out. He throws himself to the floor, soars through the air so he can sprawl out on the floor. But he feels shame when somebody connects on an alley-oop over him and then steps over him. That's when he feels shame. So much so that he full-fledged tries to kick Nick Claxton in the junk. Cowardice from Joel Embiid. Cowardice from a man who shamefully flops any opportunity he gets. I mean, hell, in the playoffs last year, he hurt his own teammates twice flopping on the floor. He's a menace to everybody around him. And that's part of his game, and it's disgusting. And what happens after he purposely tries to kick another man in the junk? After he flopped? Flagrant one. No ejection. And the NBA is going to investigate. What's there to investigate? Adam, what's there to investigate? Adam Silver, what's there to investigate? Joe Dumars, what's there to investigate? Don't, Joel Embiid, softest big in the sport. Don't make us call again. Don't make us call the league headquarters. And by the way, uh, we called the headquarters in New York. We might want to try Secaucus, New Jersey. That might be where Adam Silver's camped out. Mm. That might be why he wasn't on the phone directory when we called the other day. No ejection. In a postseason where we had Draymond Green, I don't care what anybody says, Draymond Green purposely step on the chest of Sabonis, the Monta Sabonis, purposely step on his chest, then put all his weight on and take off off Sabonis. And we're trying to defend Draymond Green. No, that was a rightful ejection. The officials got that right, and the NBA got it right with the suspension. But to, to let Joel Embiid off the hook after he embarrassingly once again for the three millionth time in his career threw himself to the floor and then tried to kick another man in the junk and not get ejected? I, it, all I can think of is the NBA... Calling the officials saying, hey, dude, this is first quarter of a series nobody cares about. We can't lose Joel Embiid. 
We can't lose Joel Embiid. He's got to stay in the game. I mean, yeah, my tinfoil hat is on. Horrible job by the officials. Terrible job by the officials. Never should have come down to the fact that Joel Embiid had the opportunity to block that shot at the end of the game. Joel Embiid should have been ejected right away, five minutes into the first quarter. Sorry, like three minutes into the first quarter. And that should have been a done deal. Should have been a done deal from there. Joel Embiid is so annoying. I mean, so epically annoying. And I'm more annoyed today because after another shameless flop, he I don't care if if Nick Claxton stood over his waist and stared him in the eyes. This goes back, Stone, to the what we were talking about with Draymond Green. An equal reaction to his ankle being grabbed was not Draymond stomping, stomping on Sabonis' chest. It was That was not an eye for an eye. That was a beheading for an eye. This, what Nick Claxton did, did it annoy Embiid? Yeah, sure. It, could it come off as disrespectful? Yeah, sure. But Joel Embiid disrespects the game every time he flops to the floor, and then for him to react like he did, trying to kick another man forcefully in the crotch, in the junk, that's a beheading for an eye. That should have been an immediate flagrant two ejection. Joel Embiid is so annoying, and I'm so annoyed because not only did he flop again, but he got away with a, an offense that, to me, even greater than what Draymond Green perpetuated on DeMontis Sabonis. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. I'm not the only one who thinks so. It could be, oh, here's Ken spouting off again. Here's Ken getting on a soapbox again. But if you don't trust me, then how about you trust Charles Barkley? Charles Barkley, Shaq, all in agreement last night inside the NBA on TNT. I thought he should have been ejected. I thought, that, I thought that was a flagrant, too. I think, yeah. his, I think his was worse than Draymond's. To be Thank you. you. Worse than Draymond's? Yes, because yes. yes, he tried to yeah, kick wow. a guy in his jump. Yes. Yeah, like, just because the guy's a bad shot. I mean, so he try, you know what he was trying to do. I mean, so what's the law? Yeah, no, I just, just my, listen, we, can, we don't know. Well, listen, we all have our own opinion. I thought he tried to kick him in his private parts. He should have got ejected. That's just Whatever my personal opinion. Whatever the law opinion. is, we go by the law. So if yeah. one guy gets suspended on the game, I'm not saying yeah. kick the man out. That's, I'm just saying, like, that's supposed to be the law. Draymond did the same thing. Because I, and listen, in my personal opinion. So are you opinion, saying Embiid should have been ejected from the game? I don't want to say that because I don't want that to be the headlines. I'm just saying I seen something like this the other day, and a guy got ejected and suspended. So how come it's not the same thing? It looks similar. So you're basically saying that you just don't want to see. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know why Shaq was not outright saying it. Joel Embiid should have been ejected. Joel Embiid is so good, Stone. He can be so dominant. He's going to win the MVP. But it is wholly unsurprising that a sequence that resulted in him trying to kick another man in the package was started by him flopping to the floor. That man loses his balance more than anything I've ever seen. Any living thing, like my 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 oldest my my oldest dog Howard, named after Howard Stellenberger, eleven years old at this point. His legs, his back legs, starting to go. His balance compared to Joel Embiid is impeccable. Joel Embiid's a world class athlete, and Joel Embiid can't stay on his feet. There, it, it could be a six to seven mile an hour gust of wind through the streets of Philadelphia and Joel Embiid's hitting the deck. I've never seen anyone like him that humiliates himself more than Joel Embiid when it comes to what he tries to sell as contact. He's a flopper and it's shameful and it annoys the hell out of me. Now the one at the top of the key where he fell like a tree after getting a shoulder leaned into him. I mean, come on. That I'm, was even worse than that. Yeah, I mean, it was 100% worse than that. It was completely unacceptable. But with the Draymond situation, right, we're recalling history. We said because of what Draymond's done in the past, we're going to penalize him right now in the present. What confuses me about this Joel Embiid situation is we've seen Joel in the past be tough. Mm-hmm. We know that he can take contact. Which, know- which makes it insane that he has to resort to, or resort to stuff like this. Sure. And that's kind of where I'm going with yeah. this. Like, we've seen him with the bloody face. We've seen him take an elbow right. to the chest, to the face, and just keep it pushing. The orbital bone. The or- Exactly. But for the referees and the officials to reward this behavior night in and night out, and also 
where my mind goes, is this Philadelphia fan base? They're built on grit. They're built on toughness. But you Blue have, collar. But you have to root night in and night out. For, for that guy. For that, for, for that behavior. For that behavior. That that that's a little hard for me to wrap my head around. And make no mistake, Joel Embiid by not getting ejected last night was rewarded. Rewarded vastly by the officials. Yeah, two days after the, the Draymond NBA. Green. Yep. Two days. And here's the difference, too, between Draymond. And I came down on Draymond. And Stone, you and Theo were fighting me on it. You thought Draymond, uh, hey, it was an equal reaction. I, I, it was not. It was not. But what I will say is that you can make a greater case, a greater case that Draymond was reacting appropriately to his ankle getting grabbed. It was a more appropriate reaction, even though to me it was so over the top. And he deserved not only the ejection and the suspension, but in a vacuum, those two acts, the one that is most clearly going to lead to an ejection and a suspension of the Draymond stomp or the Joel Embiid kick in a vacuum is the Joel Embiid kick. Right. In a vacuum. You see, those two things happen next to one another concurrently. And you're immediately saying, oh my God, that guy with the kick to the groin, that's an immediate ejection and suspension. Yet, there was no ejection, and there's not likely going to be a suspension. Because as Chris Canty, I thought, properly put it right before us, um, it was Canty and Carlin filling in for Greenberg here on ESPN 106.3. Canty said that, that would require the NBA having to admit a mistake. And he's right. They're not going to suspend Joel Embiid after not ejecting Joel Embiid. That's not going to happen. Canty was 100% right on that. 100% right on that. Joel Embiid is so annoying. And to me, he's the athlete who annoys me most. And this always bubbles to the surface come playoff time. Because that's where his flopping is put on full display. Like, last night, unacceptable that he wasn't ejected. That's childish behavior from Joel Embiid. That is disgusting behavior from Joel Embiid. But Joel Embiid regularly, and he doesn't have to, is so avoidable, regularly shames himself and that 76ers franchise with the flopping of the floor. Nobody is a bigger offender of flopping in the league than big, powerful 7-2 Joel Embiid. No one. Now we not even LeBron. Us as fans and people who absorb the game, we we typically celebrate when a guy can get to the free throw line twenty two times. And I don't mean two of the most shameful players from that standpoint sure. play for the 76ers, Joel Embiid and James Harden. Sure, but from a you know a social media aspect or a statistical aspect or even voting a guy in for the MVP when James Harden started to kind of change the league and change the game with the ISO ball and getting to the free throw line and drawing contact that we see now so much more often nowadays. Joel Embiid didn't even get rewarded for it last night. He was 4-13 from the field. Yeah. He shot five free throws. Yeah. He scored 14 points. So this wasn't a tough, gritty performance. Yeah, down the stretch, he made some big plays. He does what he does. He's a- And he's capable of doing that, which is why I don't understand the flopping. That's what I mean. No player of his caliber, of his stature, of his size resorts to that, except for him. And it doesn't have to be that way. An MVP talent who just throws himself to the floor <laughs> right. all the time. He's so annoying. But what magnifies the annoyance for me with Embiid is that he deserved significant punishment last night. And instead, he was rewarded, so much so, he was allowed to be on the floor at the end of the game to come up with a game-winning defensive play. The athlete who most annoys you is whom? The athlete who most annoys you is whom? Because for me, it is unequivocally Joel Embiid. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. The athlete who most annoys you is whom? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Let's start out in Delray with Damon on Ken Levick Alive. Hey, Damon. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, two quick things, Ken. Yep. First of all, I don't, I don't want to sound like an old guy, but with all this flopping, you remember guys like Charles Oakley, okay? Remember guys like Bill Lambeer? Could these guys have, have even played during that era, okay, when there was actual defense and there was actual physical play? I don't think so. Number two, my man, and I, and I was looking for you at Meisner yesterday, 
I want to say congratulations to you, my man, because you were the hardest working guy, FAU sports. You <laughs> call those games like a pro. And that final four thing, I was so happy for you, man. And you did a great that. job with it. Thank you, Damon. I, I appreciate mean, that, man. I mean, everyone was saying how happy they were for you. I looked for you. I went to support the kids a little bit yesterday at Meisner because they said it was for NIL. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but I looked for you. But, man, just congratulations. You did an outstanding job. And all, you know, you're, you're living proof, man. You put in the hard work. You know, when it's, you know, you look at the team, they, you know, you can't give their tickets away. They're in the final four. And I was so happy that you got to experience that, man. Appreciate great, that. Great, great job on the games, too, by the way. Damon, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't able to get to the uh, the Meisner Park celebration for, for FAU basketball. I had a, uh, a previous commitment, but uh, the turnout was awesome. I was super happy for the guys to, to be celebrated like that because, damn it, do they deserve it. So uh, appreciate the kind words, Damon. Uh, the the athlete the athlete who annoys you most is whom eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six and again on Twitter at KLV one zero six three now for you Stone I think I think you just naturally based off of your demeanor you have a uh, a higher tolerance for stuff just in general you're more patient uh, you're more positive uh, you're more uplifting. Than, uh, than I am in every sense of the word. Uh, we're sort of like the odd couple, where uh, I'm the old cranky one and Stone's the, uh, the, the just uh, fly by the seat of his pants and, and live a little and stay pot of, a positive type of, uh, of human being. It's why we work. It's because we're polar opposites. Um, but which athlete annoys you most, where you're just sitting there? It could be you're watching this athlete perform live. Or you're sitting back and you're watching Sports Center highlights and you're just like, uh, enough of this person already. All right. So first, I appreciate the kind mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. I also saved them. I will listen to them every night. Okay. While I lay in I bed. I mean, it's an accurate assessment, right? Like you would assess yourself and, similarly. Hell yeah. Okay. Like 100. percent And, I, and like I'm not trying to blow you up. What I'm saying is, like, you have a a young and and youthful. I don't know why I just said the same thing with different words. Um, you have a young and positive disposition, and I, for that I appreciate. It. Yeah, I think it's a blessing that I have the patience for for stuff. I, like I the, agree. The Joel and Bead kick, right? Because my mind, I play devil's advocate. Okay, why did he do it? Nick Claxton ain't who he thinks he is, right? Joel's gonna send him back. Like I, I can do all these things, and I think you quickly jumped the gun. And uh, but to, you can also admit that's coward behavior. I mean, hell yeah, I can. Like just suck 100%. it up, dude. You're Joel Embiid. You're gonna win the MVP. If you're that bothered by sure. something Nick Claxton does to you, there's something deeper, some deeper issue there. But let's speak about coward behavior okay. for a second, because it leads to my person, mm-hmm. the male athlete. Mm-hmm. That most annoys me that I think is starting to get under the skin of the general sports public, and that's Mr. Kawhi Leonard. What he's putting on display, he is leading the charge in us in the outcry that is about load management nowadays. Uh-huh. But let's look at last night. This is the prime example. This is now the legacy of Kawhi Leonard. You steal game one in Phoenix, right? Clippers, Suns. Dramatic game. Unbelievable finish. Absolutely. Kawhi, brilliant. Had a huge part in it. Big time. Big time. So Kawhi Leonard combines for 69 points through the first two games of the Mm. series. This line comes out yesterday morning. And these Clippers, just slightly under 2-1. to Dogs by four points. Absolutely are live to win this game. Phoenix does not look like the Phoenix that we thought they were going to look like. What report comes out? Kawhi Leonard. Soreness in his thigh. Ruled out for Game 3. Where's Game 3? Game three's at home. At Crypto. It's at home. You have this Clippers fan base excited for once in a long time. Russ has not blown up the entire operation. He's playing great. PG's getting healthy. Also, Kawhi, you know PG's not healthy. You know he's not playing. You know that, Kawhi. PG's never healthy. I mean, never is, but Kawhi, you know that. So we need you now more than ever. But for me, I'm thinking about it in this aspect. Kawhi Leonard, when you look back or when we look back on your legacy... Five, seven, ten years. We're not going to show you any respect. The Kawhi Leonard, the Kawhi Leonard reputation 
is missing games. It, it, it I think is. it's more so than winning the championship in Toronto. No doubt about it. Uh, and you know how I had a uh, 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 bed partners in Shaq and Charles Barkley when it came to Joel Embiid and whether or not he should have been objected. They agreed with me. They were we were on the same wavelength. Uh, Stephen A. Smith on first take today on ESPN. Stephen A. Smith agrees with Stone that Kawhi and his legacy, he is a generational talent, but this guy just misses too much basketball. Too much basketball for us to sit here and say, this is a great, great player. Here's Stephen A. Smith going in on Kawhi Leonard. I picked the Suns to win this series, and this was, if you recall, a primary reason why that was. Uh, Not only was Paul George out, um, I asked the question, are we sure that Kawhi is going to be available? If you recall, Big Perk, that's exactly what I said to you. And if you remember in 2019, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard played all 24 postseason games for the Toronto Raptors. Since that time, Kawhi Leonard has played 26 total playoff games for the Clippers. I want to say something and put Kirk, Big Perk on the screen because I want to see him when I say this. I don't know how many people are going to say this, Big Perk, but I'm going to say it. Kawhi Leonard should be on the list of one of the worst superstars this game has ever seen. That's right, I said it. Because anybody that watches basketball knows I'm obviously not talking about his skills. We know the brother is big time. We know that as a talent, he's a superstar. One who shows up when he plays, I'm talking about in terms of his performance, performs in the postseason arguably better than he performs in a regular season. He is that dude. But when you talk about a superstar that is unreliable, I want somebody to point me out somebody more flagrant than him. You know, you're load managing him all through the season. All through the season. He takes every perk imaginable. Yes, we ain't got to even debate all of this. I'm not getting into all of the stuff that he did to get to Los Angeles and what he forced the Clippers to capitulate to in order to acquire him. I'm talking about unreliability. Now, I know Wilbon, my man Wilbon, and I talked about this. We know that the, the injuries are legitimate. They're not fake. We got that. I would never do that to him or any other player, but especially him. We understand the hard work that he puts in trying to get himself ready or whatever. But when you think about his personality, selling the game, promoting the game, promoting the Clippers franchise, being available, being available. I don't know about you, Big Perk. I'm genuinely sad. Yep. And so... The injury thing makes this a tough discussion because the injuries aren't fake. Now, when you hear sore thigh and you sit out of a playoff game 1-1 when your entire tenure in L.A. has been load management-based, that's tough. That's tough to swallow. This is also a guy, as Stephen A. pointed out, who's only played 26 playoff games for the Clippers since 2019. This is a guy who's been load managed the entire way, again, He's had partially torn ACL. He's had uh, quad injuries, the entire thing. But he only plays selectively in the regular season. You get to the postseason first round, he plays two games, and then his thigh. And this is a guy who, I mean, Stephen A. is right. He doesn't sell the league. He doesn't sell the franchise. It is a running joke how robotic he is. Right. He is unreliable. He's not there. Uh, The same goes for his teammate, Paul George. I mean, Paul George load manages just as much as Kawhi does. But Kawhi, yeah, I can see where he's annoying because he's a great talent. And he always steps up in the postseason. The problem is, most of the time, something's broken on him. And fair or not, that makes you unreliable. And when you hear sore thigh, that makes you annoyed. And I'll say this. Out of the big four, the MLB, the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, he undoubtedly is the worst ambassador of his sport, of the superstars. What about Mike Trout? <sighs> At least he makes appearances. At yeah. least he makes eye contact. At yeah. least he, he he speaks to people and tries. 
Kawhi Leonard doesn't even try. Talk about a tweet. Pull something up. I mean, I know he gives to charity. Like He's that kind of guy. He still drives his old school Chevy Silverado, whatever it is. It's a part of his gimmick, though. Yeah. But he's the worst ambassador of his sport, of anybody, of anybody that you can name. The athlete who most annoys you is whom? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Twitter, at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. Mark in West Palm on Ken Levick Alive. Hey, Mark. Hey, this is an easy one. The poster child for the juice ain't worth the squeeze, and that would be none other than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I knew his name was was coming here, and I, I get the sense, Mark, that the Jets, whenever this happens, are about to find that out. You know, it's so ironic considering how his career started as well. And at the end of the, of the year last year, same number of rings and Super Bowl MVPs as Nick Foles. Yeah. Nobody, I, I, nobody buys M, an NFL MVP uh, hats on ESPN. Right. Like you see commercials for Super Bowl apparel. Nobody cares about that except him. He made it clear that that's a priority for him. Yeah. Nobody wants that cancer in the locker room. No, and I think that we've come to the point where we do acknowledge that he doesn't make a locker room a locker room any better. He might make the Jets better, but I'm not sure he makes a locker room any better. And, and Stone, I know you love Aaron Rodgers. I know you love him. But I know you know that that name was coming. I know you know that that name was coming. Yeah, but to me that speaks more to, and it's hard for me to go after a guy like Mark, but it speaks to a fan of the sport, not necessarily actually Aaron Rodgers based. Let yeah. me ask you, though, you love him for his quarterback play. You love the way he plays the game, right? But you as now a sports talk radio host, you in media, you as an observer of football who has played the game at a very high level, okay? You are a college football star at Southern Illinois, same position as Aaron Rodgers. The fact he, he's put up all the numbers in the world, but he only has one championship to show for it, like that, that does mean something, right? And then now he's going to soapbox himself in the late stages of the career, all while missing the postseason, and then taking the Packers hostage for four straight offseasons, kind of one, two, three, four straight offseasons. You understand the annoyance of that man. Now, you know where I stand on how much rings matter, right? And if you don't out there... I don't give a damn. Makes no sense to me. Sure. At all. But at some point, yeah. he needs to enter the conversation. Sure, sure, that's fine. That's fine. He's still, is hands down, one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. But where I defend him the hardest, right? And, and Mark, and, and you want to speak to what he does in a locker room. I'll be damned if there isn't a high percentage of guys in any league, whether it's NCAA, whether it's the NFL, doesn't matter whether it's semi-pro, whether it's over there in Germany. There are guys at other positions on a football team who like to show up and handle their business. Mm -hmm. So if Aaron Rodgers isn't the rah-rah, isn't the hoo-hoo, you know you're going to get 110% out of Aaron Rodgers. You know you're going to get his best. A guy with the work-like mentality like a Devontae Adams, that's where he's going to succeed the best. Now, if he's in New York, you're going to get a bunch of starving 20-year-olds who want nothing but to play with Aaron Rodgers and to learn from Aaron Rodgers. They don't want to hang out with Aaron Rodgers. They don't want to do any. A lot of guys don't. Not necessarily Aaron Rodgers, but hang out with their quarterback or hang out with guys on their team because they have a work-like mentality. And I think that's why I can go to bat for Aaron Rodgers because you know you're going to get a rod. You know you're going to get one of the best quarterbacks in the league when you step out there in between the lines. I don't care. Unless it was last season. <laughs> Unless it was last season. Unless it was last the uh, postseason. Sure, sure, sure. But like you know what you're going to get with Aaron Rodgers. Take it for what it is. It's just a different personality. You know what you're going to get with Kawhi Leonard when you're in his locker room. You're not going to get a rah-rah guy. But he's still going to go give you 30. I will say this. It is an interesting discussion. Who would you rather have as the leader in your locker room <laughs> right. star-wise, Aaron Rodgers or Kawhi Leonard? Aaron Rodgers is talking about like chemtrails and ayahuasca and, and doing all this weird nonsense. Or Kawhi, who is mute and doesn't play. I suppose I'd take Aaron Rodgers in that spot. He's annoying, but I suppose if we're talking about leadership in a locker room, I take Aaron Rodgers over Kawhi Leonard. I I I think I've got to go that route. And at the end of the day, they're both superstars and they both produce at a very high level. Take it for what it is. Aaron Rodgers makes himself available, just doesn't have success. Kawhi doesn't even play in the postseason. Goes to the postseason, just doesn't play. Aaron Rodgers plays, just doesn't win. If you're experiencing foot and ankle pain, need to see an expert in the field. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealthnet slash ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic 
foot and ankle, joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho. For more information today, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho. The athlete who most annoys you is whom? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. The Twitter is open at KLV1063. We'll keep taking your calls. We'll hit social media. When we come back, it's a Friday. We made it, kids. Kick your feet up and join us, won't you? He's Stone Lebanon. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. He's a- From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. On Twitter, at KLV 106.3, the athlete who annoys you most is Mr. Economy Tweets Kyrie, the one Duke player I disavow. Kyrie is a popular one on the old, on the old bird app. He's a staple. He's a staple. He's always going to be in that conversation. <laughs> Uh, Brent says Tyson Fury. Nice. Why is Tyson Fury annoying, though? Ooh, that's a tough one to answer. Wouldn't Anthony Joshua be more annoying because he hasn't fully realized his boxing potential? Now, is he as outspoken as Tyson Fury? And the answer well, to that Tyson is Fury's no. Well, Tyson Fury is outspoken, but Tyson Fury also has backed up that talk an awful lot. I, I'd be more annoyed with Anthony Joshua for losing Andy Ruiz. So Tyson Fury has been called out numerous times for being hypocritical. He'll say one thing, four months later, say another thing. Okay. Say one thing, three months later, say another thing. Like, he's that guy. I think just because he's outspoken, he rubs people the wrong way. He's got that Conor McGregor vibe a lot of people don't take to. That I'm him. Whatever I say he goes. Does try to, he does try to do the Conor McGregor thing. Yeah. Conor McGregor, also annoying. Stud. Yeah. Annoying. Stud. Okay, stud, but annoying. Stud <laughs> unless he's fighting. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hey. That's gone about as well as it went for Mosvid all over the last couple of years. Uh, and uh, James tweets in Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is very annoying. Love that choice. Yeah, Tim. Tim is. Tim's. A, Tim's the perfect example of great guy, but you're just like, ugh, enough already, dude. Even if you're a follower in Christ, and even if you no, you know, and that's fine. Sure, it's absolutely fine. But even if you are that and support all of that. That Tim Tebow brings to the table, you still, ugh, at I know. Tim Tebow. Because you hear, uh, uh, to me, I almost feel like he's just, he's too, he's, I don't know. How do I, how to explain it? This is not going to come off as any surprise, but it's almost like it's just too sunshiny all the time. Sure. It's like nobody, nobody's life is that perfect. Like, right. Come on, dude. Just show some sort of, it, the, the most upset I've seen him is when the Urban Meyer grindy video came out. When he was the coach of the Jaguars, and he had the blonde grinding on his crotch at his at his, his restaurant in Columbus, and poor Timmy, he never he never thought that football dad would stoop to those lows. And here's what really feels bad: is for the first time I saw him feel that sort of emotion since he was crying on the sideline against Alabama in the SEC title game, and I giggled. Like, that made me happy. What does that say about me? I'm a terrible person. It was probably soon after he got on the podium and and told the world that he was a virgin or that he hadn't uh, had intercourse yet because he's not going to do it. Like, but I'm also, me, I also called BS on that. <laughs> what We all did. We still do. I, it actually is coming down to me being a bad person. <laughs> right, I right, actually right. feel real bad about myself. And I was going to say, whoever tweeted that, you're right, you're bold in the first place or even throwing that name out there, but here yeah. we are agreeing with him. Yeah, yeah. I, damn. Uh, why don't, we, uh, why don't we, we focus on something that is good, not inherently bad like me, but good. That's the Palm Beach Capos getting back to work, coming off a of bye week. Good's a beautiful way to describe it, right? This is Palm Beach County's newest adult amateur semi-pro football team right in our backyard, and they're back, and they're better than ever. But not this weekend, per se. They're on a bye. They're on a bye, so they're hanging tight. But they will be returning home April 29th against the Bay Area Reapers. Their home base, that's Wellington High School. Gates are opening April 29th at 5.30 p.m. with kickoff at 6 p.m. Only three games left to see the Palm Beach Capos in action. So come join us. Come join myself again April 29th at Wellington High School. Get your tickets at the gate. 
located at 2163 Greenview Shores. Tickets, folks, only $10. And for a kid under 12, yeah, they get in free. But address one more time of Wellington High School if you don't already know it. That's 2163 Greenview Boulevard. Palm Beach Capitals. Let's go to Kevin in Lake Worth. Most annoying athletes. Joel Embiid flopping to the floor whenever he can. And Joel Embiid flopping, followed up with a kick to the groin of Nick Claxton last night and not getting ejected. That's the epitome of annoying Kevin in Lake Worth on Ken Levick Alive. Hey, Kev. Hey, guys. What's up? How you doing, so, buddy? Before, before I get to my most annoying person, uh, the Tim Tebow talk, if Tim Tebow is actually a virgin and he was with Olivia Colpo, I'm mad at him for not yes. doing whatever he could yes. to be with Olivia Colpo. Like I understand he, having morals and wanting to live by a certain code, but what a whiff that would be. Like, God created her. You have to take advantage of that. Like, even Jesus is giving you a fist bump after that. For, In for a consensual props. way, yes, but, yes, 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 yes. one thousand percent. Right? Yeah. No, I, uh, I agree. Like you have that that unbelievable opportunity, and as long as she's saying, "Hey, let's go," you got to Yeah, you have to. You're almost. You're almost like. I feel like that's a religious experience in and of itself. Yeah, it's like you're in the red zone. You just got to capitalize. <laughs> punch it in. Yeah. Right. You got to punch it in there. Right. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh-huh. Um. But uh, the, the most annoying player, uh, it was already alluded to by the Twitter guys, Kyrie Irving. You guys, you know, you touch on Aaron Rodgers because he has these views and, and uh, he's kind of outlandish. And then you touch on Kawhi Leonard because he, you know, load manages and he's never available. You have both of that in, in Kyrie. It, it's just, it's mind-boggling that people keep having him on, his, on their team when he doesn't make anybody better. And the only success he ever had in the league was when he was playing with the best player in the league and LeBron James, and he wasn't even happy because right. he wasn't the man. He wasn't the guy. So any opportunity that is good, he just ruins. Yeah. And, you know, and with his views, it's just like he needs to just stop already. It, it, it's, it, it does make it doubly worse and appreciate the call, at least with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he can have his views, whatever he can pontificate. Uh, up before last season, like they're making the playoffs, they're winning. He's an MVP, all that stuff. With Kyrie, it's all this nonsense on the periphery and then the the team aspect of whatever he's involved in underwhelms. Uh, underwhelming with the Nets, goes to the Mavs. And I'm not sitting here saying that the Mavs debacle was Kyrie's fault, but he so, certainly didn't help, right? He didn't lift them up in any way, shape, or form. He was just sort of there while everything crumbled around them. So he doesn't even bring you a basketball benefit to go with the nonsense, whereas Aaron Rodgers still conceivably brings you the football benefit with all the nonsense. And that's why I do think that Kyrie Irving's more annoying to most people than Aaron Rodgers, certainly to me. Yeah, I, I think if you don't agree with that, it's a little scary. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I'll call him out, but I will gladly. I can. I can much more easily consume somebody when they're doing their job well and pulling all that nonsense than when they're pulling that nonsense and then they're also coming up woefully short in their job. Sure, and I, I think from a podium standpoint, right, when you get asked questions and then that player has to answer them, Kyrie is much more, whew, how do I put it, active in yeah. creating the drama, yeah. per se. Aaron Rodgers knows how to stay in his own lane, right. and he's not going to address something unless... Right, it's asking. He him. thinks he thinks he's he's right. Sure, Kyrie's going to be petty and make sure that he inserts, mm-hmm. throws that one jab in there. Aaron Rodgers knows not to do that. Hey, they're both doing their their research. He's Stone the band. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Ed tweets, his most annoying athlete, Patrick Beverly. Now, that said, he's one of those, he's one of those athletes, and I experienced something similar all the way back in the day. I'm an old man. With A.J. Pierzynski who is the world champion catcher for the White Sox in 2005. When he played for the Twins before that, hated the guy. Hated him. Yeah, so did I. 
He just sat. He talked. You have no idea who A.J. Pruszynski is. I mean, he was a menace. I hated A.J. Actually, my guy, Adam Amin, you know who he is. Fox Sports Broadcasting extraordinaire. Grew up with him. I was his mentor before his career took off way more meteorically than mine. Um, that's his broadcast partner on Fox National Baseball Broadcast. Adam Pierson. Adam Amin. A- and A.J. Pierzynski. A- but A.J. Pierzynski <laughs> was the perfect example of, uh, of someone that is super annoying until they play for your team, then you love them. And I get the sense that Pat Beverly is the exact same person. Yeah. If he came down to the heat, I'd be like, that dude is heat culture. And there are a lot of those guys. And that's how you have to check yourself when you throw around a guy's name like Patrick Beverly. You're like, would I be mad if he played for my team? You always got to check yourself. I mean, my Bulls fan friends up in Chicago, they hated Pat Bev until the Bulls picked him up midseason. And then they love Pat Bev. Uh, A part of me wants to say there are Heat fans who didn't like Jimmy Butler. Oh, for sure. Until Jimmy Butler became a Miami Heat. Without question. And there are Bulls fans who now hate Jimmy Butler who would love to have Jimmy back. <laughs> right. Uh, Mark tweets in, Russell Wilson is the most annoying. And it's not just that he's bad at football now. It's that he's just corny. I think more people are annoyed by Russell Wilson because of his corniness than anything else. I mean, Theo thinks the dude code switches on a regular basis. Is he talking white? Is he talking black? What's going on here? Depends on his environment. He's corny. He's if, a corny guy. If we hadn't give or given Russell Wilson so much time in the past, he would have been the first name that we brought up. But we've exhausted Russell Wilson being annoying. Oh, uh, we tapped out on on that uh, what first week of October. Sure. So we we unloaded our Russell Wilson barrel right in four weeks at the start of the NFL season. But to speak to the code switching thing, that's where my list continues. Right. I agree with you in that aspect. It, it that really aggravates me. I want to throw a guy's name like Cat into the mix. But yeah. if I wasn't going to go Kawhi, I would have gone Colby Covington. Uh, oh, yeah, because he's a fraud. He's just such a phony. He 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 doesn't claim where he's from correctly. No, and, he's and, not the king. Like, he called himself the king of Miami. He's not from there. He never lived there. He's 16th in line to right. be the king of Miami. And and also, too, like this, the, the whole MAGA right. persona of Kobe Covington, he only did that to try and increase his brand. Uh, he's, he's a fraud. He's a phony. Uh, he can fight, make no mistake, but the reason people don't like him is because they know that he's a complete fraud. Colby Covington is a fraudulent person. Yeah, period. He, he came in at number two for me. I would have gone Colby That's if Kawhi a great wasn't one. there. I think, I think Colby Covington is a really, really good one. Back to Russell Wilson. I still haven't gotten over him tipping a cart into a bunker playing golf last week in the Denver area. I forgot. Um, have you ever had a, a golfing mishap with a cart? Because you seem a bit reckless. Like, I, I would peg you as somebody who, at least in college, you did some damage to a golf cart while playing 9 or 18. See, well, here's the thing. Here's how I always thought about that. I don't have the money to pay for the repairs or whatever it's going to cost if I do wreck this thing. So, no, I never drift like that. So, are you responsible with golf carts when you play? Yeah, I'm a responsible driver in general, especially golf carts. I got three tickets in my first month when I got my driver's license. Three tickets. Boom, boom, speeding, boom. All Speed, speeding? All speeding. <laughs> and since then, I've, uh, I put cruise control at 76, 77, 78 miles an hour, and I don't go any higher than that. All right. While we're, while we're throwing out some of our deep, dark secrets here, you got, three, uh, you got three speeding tickets in the first two months you had your car? First month. First, first month? Like first month. It took you 30 days to get three speeding tickets. It did. What happened to your insurance? It, don't I, ask. I mean, into the stratosphere. It's stratosphere. Um, boy. I'm surprised that your parents let you drive ever again. And that I've never gotten one, one since I drive 70. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you see, now you drive like an oldie. It's I've good. been scarred. You, you, you traumatic experience yes. that you learned. Um, so how many times did it take you to take the driving test to get your license? Come on. Come on. Don't do me like that. One. Okay. One take, Jake. Ask me. This is embarrassing. Ask me. Um, how many times? Did it take you to, uh, was it, get your permit? No, no license. Your, your driver's license? Yeah, my license. Three. <laughs> Three. So, okay, hold on. So, 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 stick shift car? Yes, no? No, it, uh, automatic. Automatic. Truck? Yes, no? Uh, no, it was a, uh, it was a sedan. No, it was a 94 Buick Skylark. So, I failed. You stand in line I don't know how it was down here when you got your license, but in Illinois, uh, you had to go to the DMV, and this was before you could go online right. and and uh, reserve a spot, a time, whatever. You had to stand in line 
for hours before you'd finally get up to the line and say, I need a driver's test, and they'd come around to see you and all that stuff. You would take it at the DMV. So the first time that I go to get my license, like I'm nervous. It was in the evening. It was after school. We went. The DMV didn't close till 9, and so we're standing in line, standing in line with my mom. And How old are we, 17? No, we're 16. 16. We're 16. Um, I have a July birthday, so this was in the – oh, no, no, you know what? It was in the summer. It was in the summer. It was in the summer. So I um, – but we went in the evening, and I had been driving with a permit, driving before the permit. Like, I was locked in, ready to go, man. Like, let's, it was a mere formality. Give me the license, dude. Right. So at this DMV – where they're having you take the driving test. It's just the side street, but you've got to go out the back of the DMV, this little back drive here. And I don't know what I was thinking. I, I do not know what I was thinking at all. The the DMV uh, teacher, I guess you call him a teacher, or the, I don't know, the guy, the guy who's going to sign off whether or not you get your license or not, the instructor, he's like, all right, make a left out of here. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what, I, it was two lanes. It was two lanes to leave this thing. There's a, a right-hand lane and a left-hand lane, and for whatever reason, like my brain said, oh, it's one way, so just get in the left-hand lane and make that left-hand turn out of this uh, out of this, this DMV onto the side street. So I treated the, the incoming part of that, that driveway as a left-hand turn lane. Like, what am I thinking? So it, I failed my first, my first attempt at getting my license within the first, like, seven seconds. I put on my seatbelt, points for me, Turned left out of the wrong lane to leave the DMV to get onto the side street to actually start the driving test. Onto incoming traffic. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 if there was in, oncoming traffic, I would have just absolutely gone uh, nose to nose with that car, that automobile, that motorized vehicle. So there was the first fail, okay? Second fail, and this was unfair. This was really, truly unfair. They, they wanted me, the instructor wanted me to, to practice or to show him how to park uphill, okay? So, you know, you've got to turn your your front wheel and uh, you have the, the the up against the, where if it was starting to roll, the back wheels would yeah. hit the curb. You got to turn it to the curb. You got to turn it to the curb, right, exactly. And then you put on your parking brake and all that stuff. Here's the thing. I'm living in Illinois. There's no such thing as a hill in Illinois that exists where you'd have to uphill park. It's one of the flattest states in the union. It might be the flattest state in the union, okay? So this guy's just trying to, like, why? What's the point? What's the point? But what I did accidentally is I nicked the curb with my back wheel trying to uphill park. He counted off enough for me to not get my license a second time after showing up at 5 a.m. to the DMV, standing in line for three hours, second failure. Finally, third time around, I got it after showing up at 4.30 in the morning to get in, get a license. But yeah, I failed. I failed twice. I took three efforts to get my license at the DMV. Not going to lie. The first time, the immediate failure, 16-year-old me, may have cried a little bit. No doubt about it. That was demoralizing. I've never wrecked a golf cart, by the way. Yeah. I've never wrecked a golf cart. Steve Politziner, Ask Steve's, bringing some brains to the conversation when we come back. I cried. I cried at 16, failing my first, my first uh, attempt at a driver's license. I needed three attempts. It's pathetic. He's still in the band. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.